Let's see, what do I got for names? Aphex Thrice, Aesthetic Twin, <laughs> The Scene Aphex, or this is the one I think I'm gonna go with. Weird Al, Yafex Twin. Nice. Yeah? Weird. Weird Al, Al Yafex, Yafex Twin. Twin. Nice. The used Weird Al, Yafex Twin. The used Weird Al? <laughs> Yafex Twin. Yafex Twin. Nice. Aesthetic. It, I was Aesthetic. gonna see how long we could go before a vaporwave joke came out. Let's see, about 39 30 seconds. seconds. That's pretty good. The scene is dead. Yeah, we'll get to that. <laughs> uh, hello, and welcome to episode 19 of Shuffle. Please make sure to listen to the five songs that we will be discussing this week's episode. Links to Spotify and YouTube playlists can be found in this episode's description. Now, before we get into anything else, I have a little bit of an announcement to make. Shuffle was recently approved for an Amazon Associates program portal thing. Are we rich? Yes. Yes. We'll be quitting the podcast. This is the last one. Are we Beatles rich? We're too rich. Yeah. Like I said, we had, we yes. had six episodes to get Beatles Woo. famous. I knew this it. is it. I knew it, man. All those letters to Paul McCartney finally paid off. Uh, he's been carting <laughs> those Paul McCartney letters off. Wait, so what does this mean? So actually? basically, um, if you, the listener, likes to use Amazon mm. to buy stuff. I love Amazon. So if you like Amazon and you like paying the same prices for stuff on Amazon as you always do. Yeah, yeah. And would you like to somehow help support Shuffle if it didn't affect the prices of anything and you could just shop as normal on Amazon? That sounds fantastic. So, if you go to the, uh, the page for this episode, at the very top of the page, there will be a bar that says Amazon on it. You just click on it. Nice. And it takes you to Amazon.com, but it's through Shuffle's portal. And from there, you just shop as normal. Nothing's affected. Wow. Nothing changes. But a small percentage of what you buy, Amazon will kick back to us kind of for advertising. For for wow. Can I do it? I shop at Amazon all the time. Yeah. I don't can. listen to the podcast, so I'll have to change my habits a little bit. But yeah. All right. But yeah, wow. if you go on www.jrdsctt.com slash shuffle number five h-u-f-f-l-e go to the page for episode 19 and at the top there'll be an amazon bar mm-hmm. click on it then shop as normal nice amazon y'all come on they'll kind of just can help fund the drones maybe they'll give us a drone yeah we podcast. can get our own shuffle drone yeah. and it'll go around and deliver <laughs> five songs to people with a shuffle bumper sticker on it. yeah no that's amazing i mean Go, come on. Go come on. do it right now. Go do it. Stop, Stop listening. listening. Stop, Stop listening. listening. Great minds think Never like, listen yo. to this ever again. <laughs> just go shop on Amazon. It's a great moment in a podcast. Yeah. Do calls <laughs> simultaneously <laughs> say stop listening. Stop what you're That's doing. Nice. Turn this shit off. Come on and go buy some stuff. And go support capitalism. You dingus. Come on. Aesthetic. Aesthetic. Nice. That's amazing. Yeah. So brought a tear to my eye. Wow. Oh, thanks, Amazon. Don't get it in the microphone, or we might have to go on Amazon <laughs> and buy a new microphone. I hear they have a lot of options. You can get this exact microphone on Amazon.com. But only if you go through Shuffle's, Shuffles. website first. Yep. 
right? Yeah, otherwise <laughs> you can't get this microphone. It's exclusive. Allegedly. To shuffle allegedly, fans yeah. only. Yeah. Uh, let's see. It has been seven episodes since our last icp incident. Mm. So we're finally getting up there again. Nice, nice, nice. I feel like we're just building up only to fall even farther <laughs> than the first time. It always feels so good, though. Let's see. ICP News Corner. So if you've ever been curious about how ICP got to where they are and where they started, a website called the Willamette Week made a timeline of the group's history, chronicling how the duo met, Violent J's stint in prison, their interest in professional wrestling, and the wake of sticky Fago-covered venues <laughs> that they left behind them. Sad. <laughs> just sad. Just sad. Just sad. Dang. So I'll, I will post that after you're done shopping on Amazon. Yes. You can go check yes. out the history <laughs> of Insane Clown Posse. Nice. Now. Now what? Now it is time to resurrect a segment that has been gone for a while. Wing Hunt? That's coming yeah. up. <laughs> Hold your horses. You got to make room for the Skrillex saga. Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. So just today, well, actually, it was yesterday, but Skrillex tweeted about it today. Vic Mensa, the hip-hops artist, did a freestyle on the show Ebro in the Morning. It's a pretty good, actually, three-minute long freestyle. Nice. And during this freestyle, he drops Skrillex's name. Uh, the line he says is, you want a physical Martin Shkreli write a check. I'm going Wu-Tang forever. My crew bang forever. Hmm. Hmm? Martin responded by tweeting the video of Vic rapping, saying, some guy dropped my name in a freestyle. As soon as I figure out what he's implying, I will react accordingly. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I feel like they're both just... Like, did Shkreli, like, pay these guys to just keep talking? I'm sure he did. Because it's working for both of them. So did you hear about his new passion and venture in life now that he's turned his back on the world of (laughs) acquiring hip-hop albums? The only Shkrelix news I caught was, like, a promiscuous endorsement of Donald Trump that maybe happened and maybe didn't. I didn't even hear about that. Really? He, like, uh, claimed through Twitter... He, he tweeted something that was a pretty clear endorsement of Trump. In fact, it was literally like, we need someone like Donald Trump. It doesn't surprise okay? me. And then, after he got a ton of backlash, which I think he must have expected, he's like, wow, you guys are really dumb. You couldn't tell this was a joke. Which really stretches the definition of a joke. Uh. <laughs> and then, like, three days later, he tweeted something again, more or less endorsing Trump. So I... Skrillex. I could see them getting along. Yeah, really. I could see them being good friends. But yeah, his mind is, you know, he's like Van Gogh. He's just too beautiful for this world. We can't understand him. Historians will look back centuries from now. As a tragic figure, he'll be. Well, yeah, because instead of having his like blue phase and rose phase and crystal phase, he'll have his hip hop phase, phase, his woo phase, (laughs) his pharma bro phase. And here's his new phase. Mixed martial arts. Oh man, I did not. He is officially. He claims that he will be the next up-and-coming MMA (laughs) fighter out there. Tweeting, 
Journalists are looking into my MMA career. I will make my debut in the Octagon by year-end 2016. Wow. Looking forward to this new challenge. Wait, he should... Okay, wait. He would be perfect for professional wrestling. He's like the perfect scrawny, annoying villain. The heel. Yeah, Rather than being the heel of the hip-hop world, he will literally be a heel in Mixed Martial Arts. I would actually watch that if he did it. It would be funny. But the octagon, that's just stupid. Come on. He's going to get... He needs he's a agent. little tiny white dude. He's going to have the <laughs> shit beaten out of him. Yeah. Actually, I would pay to see that, yeah, too. I'd pay I, would, to <laughs> I would definitely pay. I've never watched MMA before, but I would buy yeah, the pay-per-view or whatever yeah. to watch that fight. <laughs> okay. What do you got for the wing hut? Well, first, big announcement. It's a little controversial, but I think, you know, quite frankly, if you're an avid listener, you saw this coming. But there's a new name for the wing hut. It's Wing Hut, no Pauls allowed. Okay? Okay. I and have no idea what you're talking about. Really? I'm sorry. Come I'm, on. I'm sorry. Well, recently, Paul McCartney confessed that he thought Wings was bad. He did. And uh, this put me into a kind of moral tailspin, and I did a lot of soul searching, you know, just walking on beach shores alone and kicking rocks in random alleys. And living just, and let dying. Exactly. Living and let dying. And I came to the conclusion that Paul... You know, he was the worst member of Wings. And quite frankly, he didn't understand it. Those other guys, you know their names. Uh, yeah, they were. Paul McCartney's ex-wife. <laughs> yeah, and those other two guys. Well, serious guys. Wait, Real serious we guys. We talked about one of them, the drummer. You mentioned him <laughs> a couple yeah, of times. It's like Matt. Brian Matt. Matt and, yeah, and, J- and Johnson. Jim Johnson. J- Jim Johnson. And those guys are the real wing huts. So wing hut, no Paul's no allowed. No Paul's allowed. Okay. Actually, I did. I forgot about this. If any of you are interested to read more about this, Zach Rorda posted an mm. article about it on the Shuffle Facebook it page. It was a revelation to me. Yeah, I think it will be to you, too. It was a big deal. And, you know, then just recently, the other day, he admitted that he was a racist as a child, Paul McCartney, in an interview. He said, as a kid, it, I, we were all racist, including me. So I think it's just the nail in the coffin. And Pretty obvious. He's not racist these days, <laughs> calling people urban. Right, exactly, exactly. What not? Yeah, yeah. So you know what? I realized I can still love Wings without Paul. No Pauls allowed. No Pauls allowed. Kicking that's the them real, out. And you know what? That's the real vision of Wing Hut. I always had it in the back of my head. I think everyone else did too. So You started out with the plan to phase Paul out exactly. of Wing Hut. Exactly. He's just kind of like a crutch to help. Yeah. It's like when a rocket shoots into space and you have to burn all of that fuel. That's him. He's the fuel you need to burn to get out of the atmosphere. Yep. And then you can burn clean up in space. Exactly. And now Fly he's just with your debris. wings. Exactly. Now he's just debris floating. You know, he's garbage. So no Paul's allowed. I think it's pretty fitting. So I so look forward to a lot of really good, inspiring, in-depth stories about those other guys. And her. Linda. And her. <laughs> the other guys and her. Those other guys and her. No Paul's allowed, just the other guys and her. The real wing hut. The new wing hut. The true wing hut. So there you go. So sorry for the drama. You know? No, it's all good. I think, again, I think the, the close listeners of this show, they, they kind of expected this. That was they the vibe I was getting. They saw that, was, that was the vibe I was getting. And again, uh, there's a lot of Wing Hut albums available on Amazon.com. Thank you. Nice. <laughs> nice. Okay, music news. Uh, the first one, I actually didn't even have time to take notes on because it just happened before you came over here. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, 
Axel Rose just today sent a cease and desist to Google demanding the removals of photos and memes poking fun of his weight. This is like an Onion article. It's like Axel Rose wrote yeah. letter to internet to say stop. AKA <laughs> he is not happy with the fat Axel Rose memes. I As didn't if, even know they existed until I read this too. They're hilarious. And they're, yeah, like the one that says diabetes. <laughs> Welcome to the bakery. We've got pies and cakes. What can he expect? Oh, oh, oh sweet world? pie oh mine. What's the one? Welcome to the bakery. Welcome to the bakery. We got pies and cakes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so, yeah. What he, does he expect? Has he never been on the internet? He is claiming that he owns complete copyright of the alleged image that are being memed. Yeah. And will sue anybody who uses them without his permission, which he will not give out. Man. Actually, is he just, like, designed to, like, self-destruct? Every time... It'd been, like, three months of hearing about him in the news, and there was nothing weird about it. It's like... This and was it, overdue. Yeah, it was overdue. Something... Well, well over. He can't be in the public eye for long until he just asks the internet to stop being in the internet. And now we stuck him <laughs> as the frontman of two different bands. <laughs> yeah. What were we thinking? Come on. <sighs> I All think right. he's going to join Prophets of Rage. <laughs> oh, really? Uh, yeah, I think yeah. so. I'm calling it, man. <laughs> Killing the name of Axel. <laughs> so, Chance the Rapper's new mixtape. Coloring Book mm -hmm. has charted at number eight on the Billboard 200 charts, making it the first streaming-only album to reach the chart. That's amazing. Some people might think Kanye was the first, but technically you can get digital files of Life of Pablo, so it's not streaming yeah. only. And I feel like because it was like a... Wasn't it like Time Warner? Or he was on some big label. Def right? Jam. Yeah, I feel like that... Again, that makes Chance's achievement even more amazing because it's independent, right? Well, actually, it's I believe it was still like independently produced, but this is his first album that he... It, it's actually being offered through streaming services. Okay, okay. So upon you. its yeah. release... It had a two-week exclusive deal with Apple Music, and now you can like listen to it on Spotify. And stuff. I got gotcha. you. I see. Coloring Book was streamed 57.3 million times on wow. Apple Music during its first week, so this is setting quite the precedent. Have you listened to it? I listened like I was doing other stuff, yeah. So it was yeah, kind yeah. of in the background, but I did listen to it. I thought it was pretty good. Yeah. He gets a little um. Almost like ultralight beam gospely on yep. some of the tracks, which I dug. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It seemed definitely like he was making this with like some like ear turned to the yeah. album. Yeah. I think, like I said, I haven't listened to it that in depth. I think I still prefer acid rap over it just because yeah. it's a little more raw. Yeah. But I do, I like. You know, you can tell that he's learning and yeah. changing and growing. Yeah, it seemed cool. It, I, yeah, I, I did the same. I think I listened to, like, almost all of it. I probably didn't hear the, it the whole way through doing kind of something else. And it seemed like, yeah, lyrically, he's... I love his voice, and I love the vibe of his songs. Lyrically, yeah, it, it was kind of like border, like, yeah, gospel-y. Borderline... I don't want to say hokey, but well, like bordering on there's like a love song <laughs> where it talks about how like he can't relate to his girlfriend anymore because they don't do the same drugs. Yeah, we don't yeah. do the same <laughs> drugs anymore. Yeah, we don't do the same. But 
but I think I'll dig it overall. I love his vibe. I love, yeah, I love his vibe. And yeah. Check Good it out. Him. You can, but you can you, see you if you, see if you can buy it on Amazon. <laughs> Go see. You it. might be able to stream it on Amazon. <laughs> Come on. So Adult Swim has announced their lineup for this year's singles program where notable artists give away free new singles throughout the summer. They've nice. been doing this for the past couple of years. So for the next 25 weeks, they will release one song a week. They've released two already. Uh, great roster of artists, including Against Me, Health, Blank Mass, Diane Wood, Earl nice. Sweatshirt, Flying Lotus from The Jewels, Tim Hecker, Vince Staples, and many, many more. Damn. So definitely wow. check it out. I'm looking forward to the hell nice. song for sure nice and there's really no way to tell what drops when other than it just happens yeah, yeah. so yeah, as of right now i'll post a link to it you can go on the website get the first two songs for free they're both no one people i haven't heard of, i think one of them's called like dj paypal <laughs> and i can't remember the name of the other guy but yeah nice. pretty damn awesome adult swims always had really good taste in music yeah yeah so uh, we speculated about it a while ago but the avalanches are mm -hmm. officially back new mm -hmm. album coming up called wildflower it is their first follow-up album since their 2000 album since i left you uh, this new one features mf doom father john misty toro imoy and tons of other people they mm -hmm. released one track so far that mf doom is on called frank, frank sinatra yeah. I actually haven't heard it yet. Really? Is it good? It is good. Or I'm assuming it's, it's good. It's a good song. My overall opinion is like, it's like they w if they had released this right after their big famous album, people maybe would have been like, mm, it's not quite as good. And then they waited so long. 16 years. They waited <laughs> so long that now it's almost like, I'm just super glad to hear them do a song just that something. is great. And it is really good. It's kind of... It does kind of sound like it, they possibly did like write this song in like 2003. <laughs> if like, you know what I mean. Yeah. Like it's not groundbreaking, but it's really good. It's really good. Yeah. I mean, I'll definitely be checking the album out. And yeah, it's it's the production is really good. I did the Needle Drop reviewed that single, and he made a good point that the rappers, you you oddly can't hear their vocals as clearly as you should be able to. It's a little mm. strange. It is a little too muffled. Now he, he was right about that. Their first album didn't really have features on it, did no, it? No, it was just, just kind of like this weird kind of chopped up sample yep. electronic album. Yeah. yeah, it was just tons of So they're samples. kind of going a little bit out of their comfort zone yeah. with this having yeah. these big named artists yep. doing so but but the sampling they do is very cool they it's worth listening to it's very eclectic and the music video for this song is is hilarious i'll post it it's very funny it's very very funny so yeah I, it'll be a good album i'm sure awesome. and i need to hear it beck has a new song too yeah wow, wow. right yeah <laughs> wow which i actually it sounds like something that he would have came out with 20 years ago so i dig it i dig it i are these singles leading up to an album, or is he just doing these singles? I think this single will be on the new album. But Dreams is just its own thing. That's what it seems like, but he's got to put that on the album, too. Come on. Because, like, That's like, a, a few big... years ago, by 2013, he put out that I Won't Be Long song, which I loved. 
and, that, and that's all it was. It just oh yeah, and it wasn't. It just it was just a song. Or anything. Yeah, yeah. He's a weirdo. He's like he's pretty rich, so he doesn't give a shit. <laughs> he's rich in science. <laughs> Isn't that what they're about? He has so few. Oh shit! What's the word? What's Zy- the things they get rid of? Zytons? It's something like that. Shit. Oh no, Tom Cruise is so ashamed uh, of you right now. Sorry, Tommy. I really can't. You know, that's Dianetics. Yeah, Dianetics. It's like Zytons. God damn it. Yeah. Okay, uh, we failed the Scientology thing, but you can read more about it through Amazon.com. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, these, <laughs> I should never have done this. <laughs> Just type L. Just Ron Hubbard. L. Ron Hubbard. Amazon. Via shuffle. Com. Via shuffle. We have yeah. L. Ron and shuffle. Tight. We're tight. We're, we're close. <laughs> we're really close. Yeah, we're very close. So Casey Daniel, the musician who records under the name of White Hinterland, has filed a lawsuit against J. Babes and Skrillex. Mm-hmm. Over Justin Bieber's 2015 hit, Sorry, claiming the song mimics the unique characteristics of the female vocal riff featured in her 2014 song, Ring the Bell. Mm-hmm. She said that she asked Bieber to stop using the sample in December, but was ignored. Uh, Skrillex and Bieber have since taken to their social networks to try to physically show how they produced the sample. Have you seen that? Yeah. Is it convincing? I haven't seen it. I mean, so it's basically like a 15-second Instagram video that Skrillex made where he literally in real time shows like him taking it. He alters and edits the shit out of it it uh-huh. is based he does it is taken it from is her based song, on her song. Okay. but he like cuts a piece out stretches it out edits the crap out of yeah. it pitch shifts the crap out of it wow and yeah i, I mean that would be interesting to see i feel like on that. under the fair use like a, maybe i'm making this up but i think you can like use like 20 seconds of anything that you want like yeah girl talk made an entire career selling albums of 20 yeah. second clips of other people's songs yeah. yeah uh but like diplo said skrillex's new buddy that he's <laughs> assuming they're probably going to settle it out of court just because they want to put this behind him so even if yeah so she'll even if nice they're look. like not in the wrong i'm sure rather than like blowing millions on lawyers and copyright yeah. there's probably going to be some settlement or something yeah. but Should they're we- trying to start this like hashtag we don't steal thing like <laughs> sorry we don't steal hashtag we don't steal Bieber man he's such such an artist I can't believe he would steal it's a- yeah he's such a <laughs> he just really gives up the vibe of like yeah. a stand up guy not like derivative a guy, like a guy yeah. that you would never want to punch in the face right. <laughs> like a guy that would never rip off the style of Kurt Cobain he kind of reminds me of Kurt Cobain black culture you know I mean? or <laughs> he kind of gives me a Kurt Cobain vibe I like him yeah. like a, yeah like just authentic like dude. Kurt Cobain with dreadlocks yeah. which honestly <laughs> was we all know that's what Kurt needed like yep. we were all hoping he would get him yeah. but He's 21st century Kurt Cobain. Dreadlocked Kurt. <laughs> yeah. Radiohead is 21st century Beatles. Yep. Justin Bieber, Bieber is 21st, 21st century Dreadlocked Kurt okay. Cobain. If, that, if the title <laughs> of the Radiohead episode didn't make everyone unsubscribe, they certainly just did right Bieber now. Bieber is 21st century. Amazon is going to say, like, give us our ad <laughs> <Yeah>. back. <laughs> so 
VNM Music recently compared many rock singers' vocal ranges to try to find out who they are quoting or who are claiming, quote unquote, the greatest singer of all oh, time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when they originally did this study, they had concluded that none other than our, our first new segment guy, Axel Rose, was yeah. the greatest singer of all time based off of his octave range. He, yeah, back this, in the day, man. Yeah, you could. Now, I, I don't know a ton about music and reading, but according to this, he has a five octave range, a five octave, two and a half note range. I, I don't okay. know what the two and a half note means. I don't really but His know. range is from F1 to BB6, which I'm assuming is like the notes. Yeah. But yeah. after they realized that the parameters that they set to go forth with this study kind of limited the pool of artists they could draw from upon widening the parameters a bit they actually discovered that mike Patton is actually the greatest yep. singer of all time <laughs> which is goddamn right yeah no like, kidding fucking a man yeah uh, you guys yeah. might remember him from the rosemary's baby song from our halloweenish episode yeah we are probably going to be doing a whole episode based off of this guy because yeah. as my friend Adam Lane puts who's <laughs> totally the kind of guy who would maybe get slightly inebriated and talk <laughs> about how he has scientifically proven the greatest singer of all time <laughs> and he is uh, Mike is, has man. a six octave half note range from EB1 to E7 wow. now I like I said, I don't know a ton about music, but I know if you can go from E and go all the way around and come back to like the next E, that's quite the range. Yeah. Now, yeah, yeah. of course, like I said, this is limited to rock singers. Like, from what I gathered from this article, which I will post, like you know, operatic singers have like ten octave ranges and eleven octave ranges. Yeah. It's fucking crazy. But yeah. for like these people who like probably destroy their voices by yelling and screaming yeah it's pretty impressive yeah um Damn. some of the other people that made the list actually Corey taylor of slipknot really was high on the list with a five octave five and a half note range wow who was actually higher than axel rose from eb1 to c7 paul mccart with a what? four octave range screw that guy. four octave four screw note range that guy <laughs> From A1 to F6, and then actually Jonathan Davis of Corn was just really? under Paul McCartney with a four octave three note range. Wow. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. Wow. Yeah. Paul wow. McCartney. Wow. wow. Paul McCartney. I mean, and I, I, a little foreshadowing, he will come up one more time in this episode. What? Come I promise on. you. Can you say wings first? Say wings slash Actually, Paul I will say. <laughs> The next time he's going to come up in this episode will be wing related. Oh yeah. Yeah. All right, I'm down. So what have you? Right, I'm down. What have you been listening to? Destroyer, as you may or may not know. Destroyer. I feel like it should be said. Destroyer. Destroyer. Have you ever? Li have you listened? Because yeah, I have not listened to he, Destroyer. I would say, I I feel like this parallel is accurate now but maybe down the road i won't because he has a lot of music he's been making music since the 90s as a solo artist dan bajar from 
Montreal, I think. Oh, wait. Or Canada. The guy from Destroyer is in the band of Montreal. No, 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 no. He's from Montreal. Oh, he is literally yeah. of, of Montreal, Montreal, not the band of Montreal. Or he's Montreal. Canadian, but he is uh, an, uh, a frequent collaborator in the kind of collective new pornographers. Okay. Um, but yeah, he's been making a lot of music under the name Destroyer, which he says he just picked because he was shocked that there hadn't been used before. He's like, wow, it's a great name. I'll take it. It's a good but, reason. But he, his, I would say he's comparable to like Father John Misty. I would say that's actually... But you hate that guy. Father John, Father John Misty, <laughs> I would say Dan Bujar, he's a little bit more legit. I gotta say. Really? He's a little bit more legit. At least if you watch a lot of interviews with Father John Misty, he's really funny, but he's kind of like a seems very irritable Whereas, father john misty to be honest like the more that i see him and like i think he's hilarious but he's also just kind of like a fucking dick yeah he's kind of mean like he's so pretentious he's yeah. so fucking cynical yeah and just like so like like not trying to harp almost like to like a like a tim heidecker heideckerian yeah. level yeah like where it's yep. just like yep. i constantly need to be as legitimate as possible by being as critical, critical. of everything yeah, as yeah. I can. But sorry, not trying no, to No, no, no. I would say if you can imagine somehow Dan Bujar, he's like, he his the first impression, like with Father John Missy, you first think he's kind of like funny and smart, and then he tries really hard to like be cynical. I would say Dan Bujar, the first impression you get is he's really cynical, but he's really just like funny and goofy. So he's if like, that makes sense. like the same but opposite. Yeah, yeah. Like and he, I mean, he obviously is like, a really smart motherfucker. His lyrics, uh, I would say the other big difference is that Father John Misty, his lyrics are really good. I don't know how to say this, but it kind of, on a lot of listens, it kind of seems like he is really trying. He's really trying to sound smart. Whereas Dan Bujar, it just like, it's it, natural. It just kind of is natural. It doesn't come across as pretentious, but it's similar. I love Father John Misty though, and he's still young. Dan Bujar is like 45. But anyways, oh, he's almost dead. He's basically dead. But uh, anyways, Poison Season, his latest album, is fantastic. I highly recommend it. If you're like in a kind of like depressed mood, like a heady depression, this is like the best album. It's kind of like a it has a kind of like 80s jazz lounge Bruce Springsteen esque vibe, but kind of also like baroque pop. And his lyrics are really good. And they're to me, they don't seem as kind of pretentious as Father John Misty. Although I love Father John Misty. So I really recommend Is there a song you'd like me to post with this episode? I, or should I just grab the single off that album? The first, what's the first single? Dream Lover. He has a song called Dream Lover that literally sounds like it could be a Bruce Springsteen song. And it's really good. But to me... It is perfect if you listen to it on the album where the first song is Times Square, which is a song that has three different versions on the album, and it's like really bleak. And then it, the segue into that like Bruce Springsteen song together is fantastic. Okay, I'll just post, I'll embed a Spotify playlist of the whole album. Why not Amazon? I'll Make Amazon. Amazon. <laughs> I'll, I'll, you know, I can do that with the Amazon Associates things. I can put links to specific oh items hey, so why not? i could put he, the, he's not very rich so yeah throw we'll, a we'll help support way. him yeah. help support shuffle but i would say if you the most accessible way i to get into destroyer is his 2011 album kaput which is like 
I had no idea it even existed, but it's like one of the best reviewed albums of like the last five years. I didn't even know it existed until okay. like a week ago. But all, the, all those songs are really accessible. He made Poison Season a little less accessible on purpose. Kind of a hipster. Kaput it's is Poison Season. Kaput is like unnervingly accessible. It's really good. So, so that could be two Amazon purchases. Two Amazon purchases. Thank After you. the whole Wings discography. After the Wings. We'll just and write Chance it out the Rappers for you. album. We'll just write it out for you. We'll email you guys. <laughs> we'll just send you the link. The link. Just put in your yeah, PayPal yeah, information. Yeah. And <laughs> so what have you been listening so, to? So I'm going to cheat a little bit and not talk <laughs> about... I'll, I'll give you something to listen to music-wise. Wings? Yes. Nice. <laughs> but actually, what I really want to recommend and support is a podcast. Fair. It's called Sayer. Spell it. S A Y E R. Okay. As like in, like say. someone who says things. You don't says that. It's one of the most unique, Sayer. narratively driven podcasts I've ever heard. Nice. The whole, like, I don't know how much this will mean to everybody, but if you've ever played the video game Portal, there's a character in it named Glados, which is this extremely black humor dark robot that hates humanity yeah so the whole what's really interesting is the whole podcast it's this highly advanced ai talking to you the listener and it takes place in this futuristic setting where there's a you're on this this huge asteroid crashes into earth and bounces out and becomes a new moon and this highly advanced private corporation <laughs> colonizes it and they're super into technological advances. Uh-huh. And so they start recruiting people from Earth to go work here on this moon base. And they build this highly advanced AI called Sayer. Sayer. And everyone has this bionic implant in their head that he can just talk to you all the time. Wow. So the very first episode is you wake up out of cryogenic sleep and he's talking to you. <laughs> and nice. He's this nice. highly highly intelligent advanced ai who also like secretly hates humans just thinks they're like the <laughs> filth he calls like people from earth earth stain is what he calls <laughs> oh, them and like the whole time and then all these characters get introduced and everybody dies in these horrible horrible ways and it's like the darkest comedy ever but it's but also it's funny it's, it's hilarious it's nice. but it's also like disturbing as fuck nice. like horror yeah. like there's this one episode that's all about claustrophobia and i i'm not i don't consider myself a claustrophobic person but yeah just listening to this guy narrate me like trying to get down this like little narrow tunnel that just keeps getting closer and closer and like it gets to the point where you accidentally turned your head and it gets stuck like that the whole time <laughs> oh, and God. the wall you can feel the walls pressing on your face like wow. i had a hard time breathing listening to it wow and they did this really cool thing that also kind of pisses me off where like they had a distinct ending in mind and it is 44 episodes long. Each of them's wow. like 20 minutes long yeah. and it just it just ends. There's an ending to it and that's it. It is. Wow. Yeah. Nice. It's one of the wow. greatest podcasts I've ever listened to. I got you listened to the whole thing. I listened to the whole it. thing. Nice. It's wow. I Desperately wish there was more, but I also respect them for like yeah. ending on a good note rather than they going had a they genuine plot. They yes. had an end in mind. Yes. I, I I admire that a lot. This nice. and the story is incredible. 
it kind of plays like uh, X-Files where there's like an overarching story to the whole series, but then there's kind of standalone yeah. monster of the week kind of hey, thing. I'm going to check it out. Definitely going to check it out. Highly recommend it. That sounds great. Music-wise, uh, Tobacco, this guy named Tom Feck, who is also in this band called Black Mouth Super Rainbow, is one of my favorite musicians. He makes this really fuzzy, druggy, warm, analog, synth-pop music, vocoder vocals, very unique sound. He has a new album coming out soon, and he's nice. dropped two singles off of it so far. They're great. Oh, he collaborates with people like Health and Eric Wareheim, directs yeah, a lot yeah, of his music yeah, videos. Yeah. Uh, he, he's a great guy. I'll post the two singles. Check his this new album out. It's going to be great. Available now on Amazon. Pre-order. Pre-order. It's not out yet. Pre-order. On Amazon. For your friends, too. Yeah, buy no, it for your friends. <laughs> I got to check that out. All right, let's go to our first song. Mm -hmm. What's the name of this song exactly? Xmas Evit 10 120 Phanaton 3 Mix. Rolls off the tongue. By Aphex Twin. Off the 2014 album Cyro. So this is uh, Aphex Twin's second appearance on Shuffle. And Richard D. James, the actual man behind Aphex Twins, third appearance on Shuffle. There have been two Aphex Twin songs and one AFX song, which are yeah. different monikers that he records under. Since I've gone over this twice already, I'm not going to go too into depth about him. You can go back and listen to the other episodes if you want this huge background about him. Basically, Start with episode one. Work your way up to episode yep. 19. And for every episode you listen to, buy something <laughs> off of Amazon. <laughs> Uh, he's a revolutionary electronic artist from the UK. He disappeared for a long time, and now he's back. This album was his comeback. Mm. He's great. Mm. There's what you need to know about him. <laughs> Cyro is the sixth studio album by Richard D. James underneath the Aphex Twin moniker. It is his first studio album released under Aphex Twin in 13 years since the 2001 album Drux. And it's his first album of new material since Analord, which came out in 2005. So mm. this was a long time in the making. Yeah. Uh, in April of 2014, it was reported that an anonymous record collector had listed a test pressing of a Caustic Window LP. Caustic Window is another one of his many, many, many aliases. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> on the Discogs website, and everyone flipped the fuck out because this album had been long rumored. It never came out, and he listed it for sale for thirteen thousand five hundred dollars. Wow. So members <laughs> of the We Are the Music Makers forum, which is an Aphex Twin fan forum, negotiated a deal with this collector and with Richard himself and his record label Relflex Records, and launched a crowdfunding campaign in order to raise money to acquire the album. The initial goal of the campaign was for $9,300, but they ended up raising over $67,000. 10 of which yours truly contributed to. 10,000 of it. Nice. Yep, 10,000 nice. was, was all me. <laughs> they, those schmucks only raised yeah. 57. 
after the acquisition of the LP, a digital transfer of the album was made available for the donators, and the album itself was then auctioned off on eBay, where Marcus Pearson, aka Notch, the creator of Minecraft, purchased it for $46,300. The proceeds of the album was then split between Richard, the record label, and then the rest was donated to Doctors Without Borders. Wow. Nice. And it's a great album. Yeah. Definitely yeah. worth the $67,000. <laughs> then James right. said in retrospect that the campaign was really touching and really sweet. And upon this, uh, he actually kind of breathed new life into his interest in creating music. And that's actually what inspired him to release Cyro. Nice. So this... Nice. This movement of fans wanting to listen and being yeah. that desperate for unheard yeah. music by him is like okay i have like seven albums worth of material i guess <laughs> i can give you guys something nice so cyro for the album cyro a total of 138 pieces of equipment were used to record it wow including synthesizers samplers sequencers processing units midi interfaces drum machines vocorders graphic equalizers and mixing discs part of the album or part of the album art is this thing that he calls a disinfographic instead of an infographic which features this circular pattern that a graphic designer made and it labels all 138 pieces of audio equipment used to record the album and then if you go on the Aphex Twin subreddit, fans have then used it yeah. and actually charted out which piece of equipment is used specifically on wow. each song. And wow. And in, in addition to the instrumentation, Cyro also features several vocal tracks composed of edited, unintelligible tracks of James himself, his wife, and his two sons, oh. as well as his parents. Which many are featured in this track, Xmas yeah. of 10. So, Cyro is a gibberish word that one of James's sons made up. It's actually a shortened version of the word Cyrobunkus, which is a nonsense <laughs> word one of his sons blurted out while he was listening to the album before it was released. Cyrobunkus. Cyrobunkus. Nice. Uh, the majority of the album's tracks track names reference individual pieces of equipment that James used to record as well as the tracks beats per minute so I'm assuming that's what the Xmit Evit 10 I'm yeah. guessing that's the name of some obscure analog synth yeah. and then the 120 stands for it is 120 beats per minute Cyro's cover art resembles a receipt that details the production and promotional costs of the album from courier charges to photo shoot expenses expressed per disc and tailored to both vinyl and CD versions. So I actually have the vinyl of this, and if you pick it up, it's just this huge receipt of all the money that went into that specific vinyl. Wow. And it's actually like split down into like 0.000063 pounds. Wow. Went into the production of that particular record. Nice, nice. And that that was kind of a theme for like the promotion of this album as well. So the promotional campaign for Cyro began with a chartreuse colored blimp featuring Aphex Twin logo and the number 2014 that just appeared over London one day <laughs> out of nowhere. Yeah. That same day, all over New York City, 
graffiti spray painted logos of Aphex Twin were found throughout the city. One was predominantly in front of Radio City Music Hall. And then two days later, Aphex Twin's official Twitter account posted a link that could only be accessed using a Tor browser via the deep web. The deep web. Which I actually downloaded to do this. I've never been on the deep Dang. web before. Allegedly. Shh. Allegedly. <laughs> so the link, when viewed, detailed the album's title, the track listing, and it also listed in the same receipt format all the details about your computer it could find. So you would log in, and it would tell you your IP address, what country you're in, the state nice. you're in, yeah. your name, your location, the last website you were looking at before you went to this one. Wow. So it was pretty cool, but it was also kind of creepy. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Definitely Aphex Twinish. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Cyro won the Grammy for Best Dance Electronic Album at the 57th Annual Grammy Awards. Bieber just won that. Sorry. Respectful category. <laughs> and that's the end of the podcast. <laughs> that's a sad state of music we're in. Bieber did. I'm pretty sure he won that one. I'm sure yeah. you're right. Not Why doesn't Aphex just release an album every Come year? Come on, Aphex. Win. If Bieber's a competition. And funny thing, actually... Him winning the Grammy actually increased the sales of the album 101%. Wow. In the U.S. Wow. Least. Yeah. So, what did you think of this song? I mean, I don't, I don't know Aphex Twin a lot. I mean, I get the impression that there's some people who, like, live and breathe Aphex Twin, so I could only call myself a casual fan. But yeah, this song was just like a rich, thick canvas of <laughs> electronic and instrumental tricks, and yeah, it's just a thick, kind of synthy, angular, restless, but kind of affecting song. It was great. Yeah. I mean, this is a thick kind of song you could listen to a million times probably find something different sound different every yeah time. yeah there's a lot going on yeah i thought it was a great song great song yeah it it only took three richard appearances on the podcast before we hit gold <laughs> I, I i would say this is apex twin at his best the sheer amount of detail and effort put into this track is incredible yeah. Well, on the surface, it seems to kind of be maybe a bit repetitive. Upon closer listen, you realize that not a single moment of the tr this track repeats itself. Yeah. It's yeah. constantly changing. Yeah. It's constantly in flux. Yeah. It's soothing, catchy, complete, uh, moody, experimental, but still accessible. I I love this song. Yeah, no, it pays. Twin. Yeah, it pays to listen to with headphones. Definitely. And repeatedly, because yeah, the first time I was like, "This is good," but maybe there should be more variation. And then I listened to it again, trying to track it, and yeah, it's there's like constant permutations and morphings and new sounds and repeating old sounds from like five minutes yeah. ago and choral sound. It's insane. Yeah, this is an insane piece that sounds coherent, which is a real artistic yeah. statement. It sounds coherent, but it's like constantly in flux. Yeah, and it's crazy. It, it almost kind of felt like a modern day take on like an old 
classical orchestrated piece in that yeah. there seems to be kind of movements within the song. Like there's distinct moments where like it changes, but it's still like related to the previous movement, but it's also a distinct different sound. Yeah. yeah. Like I, I don't even care that it's ten minutes long. Yeah. I could like listen to hours of this. Yeah. Like, we just kept going. Yeah, it's amazing. It's a, it was almost like too like a like if you isolated just like like a melody and a beat and you just played that, it was like a really great intense song that you could like just like drink like a Red Bull too and like go skateboarding or something. And if you like isolated another part of it like the background it was almost like a cigarro song at times yeah and but it sounds so perfect together i don't know it's like both like like i don't know it both like the song is like restless but also peaceful i don't know there's a lot it's just it's an enormous amount going on very well layered and so complex yeah so i tried kind of googling some of the words that compose the, the I was, vocals, I was trying to figure out like yeah. what Xmax Evit was and Thanaton three. Oh yeah, yeah. So like I, every any anything about Xmas Evit ten only brought me back to Apex Twin. I couldn't find like if it was actually some obscure piece of electronic audio equipment. Yeah. But I did get a couple hits for Thanaton. For Thanaton. And specifically for Thanaton three. So the first thing I found out is that Thanaton is actually a Sith Lord in Star Wars. <laughs> Wow, Darth nice. Thanaton was a human male inquisitor and dark lord of the reconstituted Sith Empire during the Great Galactic War, of during course. the Old Republic era yeah. of the Star Wars universe. Of course, of course. How can I forget? So, <laughs> I, I doubt that's Damn. what that's referencing. Nice. And the other thing <laughs> I found. So, Thanaton 3 is in 1989 quote living unquote painting by the late american visionary artist and architect paul laffoli i think i might have sent this to you yes wow so well, yeah 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 oh my god so I, yeah, I don't yeah, know yeah. if you guys know who Paul Laffley is. Wait, this is why you sent it to me, right? Exactly. Because you're researching Because okay, yeah, the yeah, painting's yeah. called Thanaton 3. Oh, my God. And this song is called the Thanaton 3 Mix. Yeah. So Thanaton 3 is a painting that is allegedly a message from an alien named Thanaton to Paul Laffley. You got a link. You'll got a link. I'm, going, I'm definitely going to link yeah, it. It's nuts. this yeah. huge painting <laughs> with all these diagrams and this really shitty drawing of an alien eye. <laughs> but the main part of it is this giant, like, all-seeing eye in the center and these two handprints on it. And you're actually supposed to walk up to the painting and put your hands on it yep. and stare into the eye. And then Thanaton can then send messages telling you how to have eternal life and how to do space travel into your head yep and he calls it a living painting because you interact with it he, he says it is alive <laughs> how are there not more artists like when i watched that visionary video, artists yeah when i watched that video i was like i've never actually maybe it's out there but i've actually never seen or heard of an artist quite like this guy well usually they would be like homeless in the back yeah. alley but this guy's like an artist and he's an architect yeah, yeah uh, an architect and i he's fascinating i had no idea that visionary art was an actual genre, that is a genre. of art oh wow wow so I, yeah i was i was just like a dumb word that people who are a little too into themselves <laughs> yeah. use but visionary art 
is art that purports to transcend the physical world and portray a wider vision of awareness, including spiritual or mystical themes or based on such experiences. Is it a musical genre too? I mean, it's probably, it's very transcendental and trippy and acid. That would be a good episode. The visionary episode. The visionary episode. I can see if there's visionary music. On Amazon. Like, a lot of the art reminded me a lot of, like, the art associated with the band Tool. Oh. Like, kind of really trippy. Drug. Physical, druggy. You know, taking hallucinogenics to see the truth and stuff like that. How else do you see it? Hallucinogenics. (laughs) All right. So, I... I, I can say nothing but good stuff about this song. Yeah, you gotta listen to it. It's like I have a very limited vocabulary or reference for electronic music, and listening to this song is like a tapestry of like every convention you can think of, plus a billion. Plus a billion. Yeah, it's like like I like Spangle. I listened to Spangle back in the I day. I remember Spangle. Yeah, and you you can hear Spangle in here for a little bit. Like you can hear everything. Any electronic thing you think you've ever heard, you can like basically hear maybe in this Spangle song. Maybe Spangle is visionary. Yeah, maybe they are. They're kind of trippy. I was at a Spangle concert back in the day at Bonnaroo How Music high Festival. Were you? I wasn't. I was dead sober, wing hut sober. I'm talking like pre Paul wing hut. You know, Lynn, you know, Linda and them sober, dead sober, and visionary. 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 <laughs> All right. But, yeah, let's, no, let's, let's move on to uh, the truck driving song by Weird Al Yankovic. My man. Off the 1999 album Running With Scissors. Classic. Alfred Matthew Weird Al Yankovic is an American singer, songwriter, parodist, record producer, satirist, actor, voice actor, music video director, film producer, and author. He is known for his humorous songs that make light of pop culture and often parody specific songs by contemporary musical acts. He also makes original songs, songs that are in the style of pastiche and the work of other acts. And he mm-hmm. also loves to do polka medleys of popular songs featuring his favorite instrument, the accordion. Those are pretty impressive. I his polka melodies are usually a highlight of his Yeah, albums. those are actually some of the few Weird Al songs I go back to revisit because they're pretty impressive. They're very quick nostalgia. Yeah. Yeah, those are and impressive. It can kind of give you like, oh, so this is yeah. what it was like in the early 2000s. Yeah. Yeah, this yeah. Is what it was like in 1989. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, since his first aired comedy song in 1976, he has sold more than 12 million albums. That's as of 2007. Recorded more than 150 parody and original songs and has performed yeah. more than 1,000 live shows. And we both saw him live. We yeah. did. Yeah. So, yeah, we can talk about that now. Both Dominic and I's first concerts ever were Weird Al Yankovic. And we are pretty sure that we saw him right around the same time. I think probably you saw it the day before. It was the tour for this album. Yep, Running With Where I was in fifth grade in elementary school, and my dad took me to the Minnesota State Fair. I went to the Fargo Civic Center. He he was there the next day. Yeah. I feel like that's fitting. I feel like way back in, like... 1500s like 
people would, you know, your console experience would be like some like clown at like a carnival. You know what I mean? You'd and be it, crying. Yeah, yeah, you'd be crying though. But I feel like that's fitting. You know, we both, yeah. from Midwest first console experience was like the American icon of clown. And like, <laughs> you know, my dad loved it because all the songs he was parodying, he knew he the knew. original yeah, songs. And yeah. like, I remember my mom said that her and my sister were like sitting out because this was at the grandstand at a stage fair so it was an outdoor concert yeah so my dad took me to see that while my mom and sister rode rides or something and they were waiting for the concert to be over and he ended the set with yoda yep and my mom said it was so weird i could hear like a thousand people singing yoda in wow. unison all over this this the minnesota state fair we don't have the rights for that shit. <laughs> oh yeah wait <laughs> only two seconds of it <laughs> Find it on Amazon. <laughs> no, dude. Yeah, he's cl- dude. I gotta say, I've seen a lot of concerts since, and that dude burns more calories than like anyone oh, else I've ever seen. There's nothing it. like a Weird Al show. Yeah. The, the production. Yes. That it's he an puts event. into that. It is an like, event. Th- you'll see like 30 costume changes. Yeah. Yeah, he insane. still puts on the fat suit for yeah. the fat song. Yeah, that was amazing. And then <laughs> while he's changing, he's usually recorded some funny video yeah. that he plays. Yeah. Like it's. It is the complete entertainment. Yeah. Yeah. Like, if you have the chance to see him live, go. Yeah. Just go. Yeah, definitely. You will not be unhappy. Yeah. Weird out. Let's see. Oh, and uh, more accolades. His his works have earned him four Grammy Awards and a further 11 nominations, four gold records, six platinum records. He's good at what he do. Yeah. He's good at what he do. So under the fair use provision of U.S. copyright law affirmed by the United States Supreme Court, artists such as Al do not technically need permission to record parody songs. However, as a personal rule and as a means of maintaining good relationships with artists, Al has always sought permission from the original artist before commercially releasing a parody. He claims that only about 2-3% to of artists he approaches for permission actually deny the request, and many people actually consider Al doing a parody of their song to be kind of a badge of honor and a rite of passage in the music industry. So, let's explore that 2-3% to that said nah. Uh, Of (laughs) course, the the famous one is Coolio. Coolio. For Al's parody, Amish Paradise. Uh, it is the classic thing where Al thought Coolio said yes. Coolio actually said no. They've they've worked it out since then. They've shaken hands, and Coolio has admitted that he thinks it's a really funny song. Yeah, yeah. On numerous occasions, Prince has refused Weird Al permission to record parodies of his songs. Uh, Yankovic has stated in interviews that he's he approached him every few years to see if he lightened up, and it was to no avail. <laughs> Al actually related one story where before the American Music Awards, where he and Prince were actually assigned to sit in the same row, prior to the, the award festival, Al received a telegram from Prince's management demanding he not make eye contact with Prince. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Wow, um, more. Party. I love Weird Al. He's like a he's like a 
like a mosquito, like on the edge of like celebrity. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah, everyone knows him. Yeah. <laughs> and everyone's just waiting to get bit. Yeah. That's great. Let's see. That's let's great. see. More party poopers. Eminem denied Yankovic permission not to do a cover. He actually did the song Couch Potato, which was yeah. a parody of Eminem's Lose Yourself. But Eminem did not want Al to make a music video for the song because Eminem believed that it would be harmful to his image (laughs) of broody, angsty white rapper. (laughs) James Blunt granted Yankovic permission to record a parody of You're Beautiful called You're Pitiful, but shortly after it was recorded, Blunt's record label, Atlantic Records, uh, rescinded the permission. What? So Al had to release it for free on MySpace, and then Uh for the whole tour after that... (laughs) He wore this yellow T-shirt that just said "Atlantic Records sucks" on it <laughs> at all of his live shows. Nice, nice. And here it is: Paul McCartney, a self-proclaimed Yankovic fan, refused, oh, refused Yankovic permission to record a parody of Wings's "Live and Let Die." <laughs> Wait, but did he still do it? No, nope. no, he never did. Wow. So the parody would have been so called. Ripe. Chicken pot pie. I've read the. Yeah, I've read this before. Wow. Paul McCartney, wow. who is a vegetarian, oh found God. the parody to be improper and against his moralistic integrity, and denied him permission because it was about chicken meat. This is what I mean. No Paul's allowed, man. The thing is, is Al is a vegetarian. Yeah, I thought he was. Yeah, he's, he's like a, a strict. Nut. Yeah. yeah, doesn't yeah. drink, doesn't smoke, yeah. eats healthy. God damn. <laughs> and if there's one thing he's known for, it's his food songs. Like that's his that that's where he oh, shines. Yeah. It's his food his songs. Food album, the compilation. The food album was my classic. first yeah. Weird Al album yeah, that's ever. Classic. Yeah. The food album. Yeah. First Weird Al album yep. I ever owned. Damn. See Paul McCartney, man, lowest weakest member wings. Those wing other guys. Hut, no Paul's allowed. Exactly. Weird Al, you're cool. Yeah. Exactly. Weird Al, you're in the wing hut. He should cover some of those other you know, wing songs. Yeah, you know, from make them all guy. about me. Because yeah. <laughs> yeah, Paul's make... kicked out, so he can't say anything <laughs> yeah, exactly. about it. Exactly, exactly. So, Running With Scissors is the 10th studio album by Weird Al. The musical styles on this album are built around parodies and pastiches of pop and rock music of the late 1990s, largely targeting alt-rock and hip-hop. Since the early 1980s, Yankovic had been known for his hair, glasses, and mustache. However, with this album, he revealed a new look. Mm. He underwent LASIK eye surgery, lost the glasses, shaved his mustache, and grew his hair out. And this was his first album kind of showing off this new Al that we know today. He's had two looks, and he stuck with both of them for like (laughs) 20 years. Gotta admire that guy. Didn't lose the Hawaiian shirts, though. Nope. Didn't lose the Hawaiian shirts. Still got those. And it should be noted that this was the album that he finally did a Nine Inch Nails song. Wait, well, what was the song? Germs. Oh. So the song Germs, while not a strict parody of a single Nine Inch Nails song. Of the style. Yeah. It is written in the style of a Nine Inch Nails song. And a fan such as myself yep. can attest that it is most definitely a mix between the songs Terrible Lie off of Pretty Hate Machine and Closer off of the Downward Spiral. Nice, there are, nice. It is mostly a terrible lie. The, the, the majority of the melody of the song is based off a of terrible lie, but that opening, I don't know if you remember the song Germs, but it kind of has this like 
chomping sound. It's like yeah. Yeah. That's definitely a playoff of Closer. <laughs> and actually, that opening beat in Closer is a sample from Iggy Pop's Night Driving. Or night, 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 not night driving, night stomping, night, fuck. Maybe it is night driving. And Iggy Pop's song about night, and it's either night driving <laughs> or night walking or night something. I should know this. I'm losing all my night nails, Chris. I don't know, yeah, you're losing it. So yeah, I don't know this either, is why so. it's his, uh, yeah, Nine Nails, Weird Al. It's awesome. <laughs> Germs is a great song. Okay, truck driving song. Truck driving song is a detailed account of a truck driver working while at the same time worrying about their clothing and makeup in the style of a parody of a truck driving country mm-hmm. song. Mm-hmm. Truck driving country is a subgenre of country and western music that is characterized by lyrical content about trucks, truck drivers, truckers or the truck driving industry experience <laughs> i did not know that this there was enough of this music to necessitate it's own yeah. subgenre yeah. Yep. but it is um, to defend the genre ever so slightly it's some at its best i can't say i've heard a lot of it but at its best it uses the 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 kind of imagery of being a truck driver to explore larger concepts so you just do a lot of crystal <laughs> meth and <laughs> yeah, a lot of crystal. Uh, the song yeah, tells yeah. the tale of an extremely deep voiced person. I'm not gonna classify a gender to them, yeah. but this person is very deeply voiced, and they're singing about the hardships one faces while driving a big truck across the country. Juxtaposed with the hardships one faces while driving a truck while wearing high heels. Nipple rings, crotchless panties, makeup, and angora sweaters. Mm-hmm. Grindstone pumps. Yep. <laughs> uh, driving a truck <laughs> with my high heels on. I don't know what to say about this song. It's pretty damn funny. It sounds like a stupid country song. I, I do really like how long he kind of sticks with a normal... Like, I'd say the first third of the song just sounds like a truck driving yep, song yep, yep. until and then he subtly slips in that driving the truck with my high heels on and then yep. immediately goes back into singing again so it's almost like if you weren't paying attention you would yeah, have missed you it. Notice it yeah and then it just goes in deep with crotchless panties yep. nipple rings yeah it's a good it, it, blush a, makeup this is a classic weird al song i mean he one thing his band because it's not weird al he can play quite a bit of instruments but he usually just sings and like maybe we'll do guitar just accordion he is a very legit band who can nail even live virtually any genre any song they'll nail it yeah i would argue his backing band is probably some of the most talented musicians in that the insane variety of music they can actually play yeah yeah so i mean they hit seemingly i mean it's that the bumping rhythm, steel guitar, the deep voice. I mean, they hit all with the quick little, like, you know, <laughs> guitar. <laughs> and yeah, it's a. So, I mean, the instrumentation is a perfect facsimile of the highway truck driving country genre. And yeah, and it's a perfect comedic buildup where, just like you said, yeah. it starts out like, okay, it's like just country song and then he quickly says that and then by the last verse it's like the most <laughs> insane crotchless panties nipple rings yeah. rhinestone pumps so yeah it increases the absurdity so i mean it's funny and it's doesn't overstay its welcome no it's very short right he keeps it short because it's a conceptual joke and you get it and then it's like yeah. that's funny and 
I, I do gotta say I'm impressed with how low he gets. Yeah, I, he I, gets low. I heard rumors that he recorded this first thing in the morning because that's the only way his voice could actually be low enough <laughs> to hit those notes. Look at a little mucus. The first time I heard this, yeah. I just assumed it wasn't Al. I didn't know he yeah. could sing like that. Yeah, I figured yeah. he got some other dude to sing this. Yeah. But then if you're really yeah, listening, like, okay, that does sound like Al. Yep. Yeah. No, yeah, it's good. Yeah. It's good. I mean, yeah, it's, I mean, yeah, because there's a guitar solo part in there too. It's pretty. I mean, yeah, it's a perfect. It's a perfect parody song of a genre. He nailed fun. it. Yeah, it's yeah. not the best Weird Al song, but no. for what it is, no. it's finely crafted. Yeah, as I would expect yeah. from Weird for Al. An, I mean, it's a great attention to the genre. Yeah, a, and a replication of it in a great little comedic, just poking at it, and it's yeah, two and a half minutes long. You can't get mad at that. You can't get mad at that. It's funny. It's pretty funny. Ain't no one not got time for that. Ain't no one. And he uses stereotypes, but in a way that I honestly I think he's not making, he's not exploiting transgenders. No. To be funny, he's more or less exploiting. He really. It's just it's just absurdity in its purest sense. I gotta say, I mean maybe. Maybe I'm young and naive still, but there's one thing about Weird Al is that he he it almost never seems like he's exploiting something to be funny. It's just innocent, absurdist comedy where you just laugh because yeah. it's of the formalism of it. Because for the for the most part, he's very clean with yeah. his humor. Oh yeah, like yeah, yeah. crotchless panties, whatever. But yeah. st- and like he. He might get a little gory sometimes. Yeah, yeah, he might. But it's nothing ever <laughs> like Santa Claus. Died. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's never anything too obscene. No, it's no, not no. heavily drugged or yeah. sex riddled. Or, no, 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 yeah. no. He's good. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. It's not. It's not a, the greatest Weird Al song. It's and it's just a genre parody. But it's good. Yeah. It's good. good job, Al. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to our next song, "The Messenger" by Thrice. Off the 2007 album, The Alchemy Index Volumes 1 and 2. Thrice is an American post-hardcore rock band from Irvine, California, who formed in 1998. Early in their career, the band was known for fast, hard music based on heavily distorted guitars, prominent lead guitar lines, and frequent changes in complex time signatures. Later in their career, though, their sound began to change as they incorporated electronic beats, keyboards, and a more experimental and nuanced songwriting sound. In 1998, before their first show, they realized that they needed to pick out a band name before they went on stage, and hard-pressed for time, they decided to go with the name Thrice out of desperation. I guess Thrice was initially an inside joke between some of the band members. I think uh, one of the guys was like, hey, band member, didn't you say you actually beat Frogger twice? He's like, no, I beat it thrice. He beat it three times. And it kind of just became this joke. It was a name that they intended to kind of shed after a while, but they never got around to it. And then they kind of accrued too much of a following, and then they got stuck with it. Yeah. And actually... It wouldn't be until their album Beggars, I think Dustin, the lead singer of the band, has stated Beggars was, I think, the album after these Alchemy Index albums, so far in their career, where like it said like the name actually started to like grow on them. They were actually kind of ashamed like. of it <laughs> leading up to then. 
Interesting little fact about Thrice. For every album they put out, they pick a different charitable organization and donate a majority of the proceeds of the album sales to that. Nice. Which is kind of cool. Yeah. So the the Alchemy Indexes are a series of four EPs, each of what each of which represent an element of nature. There's a Fire EP, Water EP, Air EP, and Earth EP. And the final disc, the final song on each disc is written in the form of a sonnet depicting the relationship of man with each of the particular elements. Each of these songs is in iambic pentameter with a concluding rhythm couplet. And the final couplets also contain the same vocal melody and chord progression as each other, although they're in different keys. So now it's time for our new favorite mini segment, Poetry Corner. Poetry. Because I don't know what any of those words are, so I had to look them up. Like, I, I've heard them before. Yeah, welcome to Poetry Corner. Like, I've heard the word sonnet, iambic, pentameter, and couplet used before, but I never, like, yeah. I, I don't know what they mean. I've never been... Shakespeare shit. Yeah. It's always, I've never <laughs> taken a poetry class or, like, yeah. a, like a college English class. So, I'm going to quiz you. What's a sonnet? Oh, shit. Oh, my God. I did get a degree in English. This is embarrassing. A sonnet is... Wait, wait, wait. Let me guess. Sonnet is... Uh, is a refers to a structural form of poetry, right? Yes. Metric. Yes. And is it like uh, four lines? Fourteen. Fourteen lines. Fourteen lines that follow a strict rhythm scheme. Okay. I mean, that's about and it. And that's about it for and the that's, requirements. That's okay. the modern definition of a sonnet. Okay. Like by modern standards, a sonnet okay. is a fourteen-line poem that follows a strict rhyme scheme okay. with a specific structure. Okay. Okay. So okay. what's iambic pentameter? Iambic pentameter is like a. God damn it! I do know this. I swear to God, I know that. Is let me give me two guesses. Okay. Is iambic pentameter roughly like? It's like five syllables per line. Five, yeah. Five you syllables five. per line, and the in one and three rhyme, two and four rhyme. I think that bunched, might be right. I actually didn't get that far even. And they're bunched into four. So yeah, they're called feet. Feet. Yeah. Yes. Iambic pentameter is a commonly used type of metrical line in traditional English poetry and verse drama. The yeah. term describes the rhythm that the words are established in that line, yeah. which measures in small groups of syllables called feet. feet. The word iambic refers to the type of foot that is used, known as the, I, the iamb, mm. which is English, which in English is an unstressed syllable followed by a stressed yeah. syllable. And the word pentameter indicates that there are five feet. Five feet. Yeah. yeah. Nice. I was like, wow. Was like, okay, what's a couplet? Couplet. That's just like uh, two lines that rhyme. Yep. Simple. M metered poetry. Yeah. Two lines that yeah, rhyme. Yeah. Two lines that rhyme. And that's poetry corner. Quiz. Can I keep my English degree? I'll give you a seventy nice. percent. Okay, I'll take that. Okay. That's, that's average. That's, that's passing. I feel like that was an a yeah average. Hey, maybe it was a little above average. Come on. Maybe 75. 73. All right, I'll take it. I'll take it. Straight C's, baby. Still graduated. Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> so this first album, the Alchemy Index Volumes 1 and 2, contain the Fire and Water EPs. 
The Messenger is the second song off of Volume 1, the Fire EP. The Messenger is written... Well, actually... Actually, I want to ask you what you think of it before I tell you what the song is about. Man, I feel like I really underestimated the song now. Because I... <laughs> well, no, because this song it, it does not use those... Shakespearean. That's okay. the last song. That's the of last EP. song. This okay, song is song. not written this to that song, high of a standard. Okay, 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 okay. This song. What did I think it was about lyrically? I did catch like uh, some existentialist references. Mm. Fear and trembling. There's a burden. There's debt. He's paralyzed. It's angsty, but there's some sense of salvation. But it's kind of. That's all I got. That's all I got. No, but so what did you think of it other than what you interpreted? Oh, I thought you were going to quiz oh, no, me that like too. the meaning. Oh, no, no, I'm not. I'm done quizzing you. Oh, man, I kind of like it. Oh, okay, I can quiz Oral you if you want. Okay, well, you're, like you're okay. fucking wrong. <laughs> the new format yeah. of Shuffle Just me is quizzing. quizzing Dominic <laughs> relentlessly. Yeah, every time you're yeah. like 73. Instead of, <laughs> instead of asking what's your favorite track, I just give you a grade. <laughs> I thought you, like, knew the deep meaning of this I song. I do know the deep meaning of this song. Okay, I thought this song overall... I thought it was... Well, wait, do you want to know what the meaning is before I, you tell what you actually thought of it? No. No, okay. First I'll say quick and then tell Okay. Because that might prejudice me. Okay, yeah. I thought, I thought overall it was a good song. I thought the guy's voice actually had a lot of potential. I thought the guy's voice had, like, a pretty good, like, sense of, like, uh, melody. It wasn't just, like just kind of wrote delivery. I thought there was a lot of potential, but I thought the song was a little bit hindered by the conventions of the genre, which was kind of like, I don't know what you would call it. Not quite punk, not quite emo. Post-hardcore. Post-hardcore, okay, there, there's a word for it. I thought that there was a lot of potential that kind of popped up, but it was a little bit too, I don't know. I don't, maybe that's, I don't know. No, that I agree, especially once you know the meaning of the song. Yeah. I feel almost like the fact, because if you listen to all four of these EPs, there's yeah. a distinct fire, water, air, and earth feeling. Okay, so man. I feel like there's so much potential with this song, but the fact that they had to make it into a fire song and make yeah. it so screamy and yep. yelly, yep. I think his screaming's great in it, but I don't think it really has a place in this song. Yeah, 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 so yeah. I agree. This song is written from the viewpoint of the biblical prophet Ooh. Isaiah wow. and his experience, Jeez. primarily Jeez. from Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah was a prophet of the God of Islam. <laughs> God damn <laughs> Isaiah was a prophet of God And he was sent by God to speak To Close the enough. nation of Judah In the 8th century BCE Judah had a culture that had been given The revelation of God's love and character In many ways But instead of being awed by God And walking in his wisdom The people worshipped anything but God They were prideful, selfish, lustful, materialistic And bloodthirsty And worshipped statues made of wood and stone As if they were gods <laughs> In light of this God commissioned Isaiah to preach the truth To the people again Knowing that many would hate it And be hardened in their rebellion But some would hear it repent and be forgiven So it's kind of the plight of Isaiah And him being tasked with wow. this Damn. message from God so if any of you are interested in the 
dense and immense biblical references yeah. sprinkled all throughout this song. I will post a link to this song's lyric genius page where some Thrice fans annotated the fuck out of it. Wow. Yeah. And Yeah, I, it seemed like it had a lot. I guess like, lyrically it seemed like there was a lot of like symbolism. You click on like quite. one line from this song and there's like a, a page of scripture yeah. quoted. Gee. So like if you're really curious about this song, you can see like, well, this line represents this chapter wow. in Isaiah and this one. Wow. So it, it's all there. Damn. I, I don't really want to get into that because it's just way too dense. Yeah, but yeah, I do yeah, want to yeah. touch on one line. Uh, in the second pre-chorus, he sings this line, so they can tell I'm an easy target. A wooden saw is quite a way to die. Yeah, I saw, yeah, a wooden saw. I remember so that. traditionally in various versions of the book of Isaiah they actually teach that Isaiah died when he was intentionally sawn in half while he was hiding inside of a tree wow which is fucking brutal yeah that's that's hardcore yeah that is <laughs> so like this whole song is kind of supposed to represent like god came to him and he was afraid and in doubt but then he rose to the occasion, and I think he keeps singing all nine, like, send me, here I am, send me in, here I am, send me. Uh. I, I don't know. I love Thrice. I love the Alchemy Indexes. I think they're the two greatest things Thrice has ever done, especially if you listen to all of them and yeah. the, their ability to kind of summon the sound of the elements into their music. They actually really nail it. But I'm not quite sure how I feel about the biblical references used in this song. Like, mm-hmm. I like it. Because it's not, like, preachy or anything. It's just kind of yeah, telling yeah, a story. Can, yeah. And I like the intensity and screaming, but it feels like there's a disconnect with the story. Like, I can hear the fire in the song. This sounds this sounds like a fire song, but I'd, I don't understand... Yeah. Why a song about a guy willing to be a messenger for God needs to be so like fucking angry? Why is the yeah. chorus just screamed like throat shreddingly screamed? Yeah, I, I just yeah. it doesn't make that much sense. To yeah, me. it seems like yeah, no, 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 uh, yeah, that yeah, the way you contextualized it, yeah, that helps make a little more sense of it too. It, yeah, it sounded like there was a lot going on and a lot of potential, but yeah, that screaming. It just made the song end up sounding a little bit too generic, given the the kind of like sense of something more I got from it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah. they're good. I mean, they're good musicians. Yeah, yeah. No doubt. they're yeah. talented. Yeah. And yeah, I like the screams. I just don't know if it fits with the story. Yeah, but I like the song. I honestly a little bit too limited to their genre. I will maybe. say. In my opinion, fire is probably the weakest of the four. Yeah. The water, earth, and air are definitely my favorites. Nice. So if anyone's curious, and if you're kind of put off by this, the fire ones are the only, like, crazy, screaming, abrasive ones. The water ones are really cool and actually have heavy electronics laid over it. Mm -hmm. Air is very kind of light, but still heavy but way more kind of pretty sounding. And then Earth has got this very acoustic, and they kind of do that kind of thing where, like, just one mic in a room, you can kind of hear an echo of, like, the whole band playing at the same time. So it has this very kind of, like, 
earthy yeah. feel to yeah, it, yeah, for yeah, lack yeah. of a better word. Yeah. I think they're great albums. Are they I, available on Amazon? I'm thinking Amazon. <laughs> you can edit these parts out. No. <laughs> or you can cut or you them can... and duplicate them and swingle them. That's, I'm just going to... Every other word <laughs> just going to be Amazon.com. Amazon. Amazon. Go to Amazon 666. No, delete that part, probably. No, leave Amazon 666. <laughs> <laughs> delete that first one, but leave that second <laughs> yeah. one. Yeah, there you go. Okay, let's move on to the next one. Don't be this that one, note. Man. I can't hold by the scene aesthetic. <laughs> yeah. Off the 2006 album, the scene aesthetic. The scene aesthetic is an American two-piece band in, from Seattle, two Washington. Piece. Just two of them. Two, huh? of them. two guitars. <laughs> two guitars. <laughs> two, uh, one, two. Featuring Andro DeTorres of the band Danger Radio and then some other guy named Eric Kimberlin. The band gained recognition during the time when bands could get popular off of MySpace with their first single, Beauty and the Breakdown, which they fucking stole the title from the Fru Fru song Let Go from the Garden State soundtrack. Oh, they actually, wow. Well, that's the, the predominant line in that is, Cause there's beauty in the breakdown. Remember, remember, have yeah. you seen, you've seen Garden State? No. What? <laughs> Okay, I was a hit. my parents wouldn't let me. I was raised very strictly Mormon, and uh, no, you're Zach ca- Braff, you're Catholic. You know, Zach Braff is that very edgy, too that edgy, edgy Satanist. Too Zach edgy. Braff. He didn't have enough girlfriends. In well, anyway, song. there's a famous song by Imogen Heap's first band, Fru Fru. Oh yeah, I've heard that song. Let oh, go. Yeah. The, the, there's a line in it called "Beauty and the Breakdown." Yeah. I'm pretty sure they just fucking stole that. Or did she take it from them? No. She did not, because this was 2006 <laughs> when emo bros on MySpace <laughs> would take their favorite indie movies and write yeah. songs about it. Circus yeah. Survive did a whole concept album about Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Really? Wow. So it, this is wow. very with okay. with the yeah. times. Part of the repertoire, huh? Uh, since their old days they've kind of become this new band that's called the prince of spain but then they also are still releasing music under the scene aesthetic mm. and going back to them just fucking stealing things the prince of spain is a song by the tallest man on earth really which wow. is a great song from a great album and yeah. they just fucking took that too I don't know. Maybe they're parodying it. Maybe they're just a parody yeah, fair, fair use. <laughs> so and yeah. This album is them parodying themselves because this is their second album, but all it is is a re-release of their debut album. They wow. just remastered it and released it as a new album and they put three new songs on it. This was wow. actually one of the new three songs. Yeah. Yeah, this uh, this is the kind of song that makes you like wax poetic about like how terrible it is. Yeah, I, it like brings out the poet in me of terrible. Wanting to just rip it. <laughs> this is like the prime example of like frat bro emo music. Yeah. Like guys wearing Abercrombie and Finch shirts, but they yeah. have like the the blonde Umi emo sweepy <laughs> hair, and yeah. they're trying to look sensitive to get laid. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it seems extremely fake. There's no way they recorded this in an album with a straight face. There's got to be like 10 hours of like footage they delete of them laughing and being like, this is so fucking stupid. Or them just like crying because <laughs> they realize like, what are we doing with their like, lives? Like, this is like, God damn it. Yeah, this is. Uh, it's like two sensitive dudes who are yeah. riding the glorious MySpace wave and it's it like, fucking crashed. The way I would describe the lyrics is like, 
every word that you could conceive to be like sentimental they they like just get rid of all the like really complex ones and just pick the most generic ones and then just like clip them and throw them in a hat and then just chuck them on the wall like don't yeah. run dear stay with me there's i'll be with you forever <laughs> and you could put them yeah. in any order in a, and it doesn't in the matter same message. it doesn't matter the order of the words doesn't even matter it's just like that kind of reminds me i think someone like did a study once they realized like most modern in country songs are based out of a pool of like 90 words <laughs> or something like that i can't believe that but yeah, yeah yeah this song has a lot of lyrics in it and there's like no meaning behind it. You could yeah, read it all. It's like you're not saying anything. I, yes, that it is amazing how little this They're song saying. means. There's no metaphor. There's no trope. There's no plan of words. There's no intricate rhyme. There's no sense of any meaning at all except like we we are gonna exploit yeah. one basic feeling. There's like this vague sense yeah. of like guy wants to be with girl <laughs> but doesn't know how because he messed something up so me wants sad. to be there for her yeah so yeah. Sad. Sad. <laughs> yeah it's amazing there's absolutely no sense of a particular story or event in this song there's absolutely nothing nothing particular it's like the it is like the essence of generic it's just it's just it's, it's nothing it's almost amazing it's almost an achievement <laughs> Because it's, there's a whole album of this. Yeah, it's just it is just and, the most generic and every, feeling. Every song is just two dudes singing with an acoustic yeah. guitar. One Direction, it sounded some of it sounds like a One Direction ballad, and but One Direction is better. They can dance. Yeah, yeah at least they, they can have dance. production, and they're probably better looking. I don't know. I haven't seen these two guys, but One Direction, come on. I don't want to spend any more time <laughs> on this song. Do you have anything else you want to say about uh, this empty nothing song? That yeah, if if someone had released this like as a joke, it would be considered high art of like parody. Yeah, I could see I could see Tim and Eric doing something (laughs) like this. It would be like hilarious. It would like dip into like vulgarity at some point. I feel like they kept a straight face too. Yeah, they kept a straight face. But yeah, it's it's played it real close. What's I'm trying to remember what was the last song that I said might have been the worst. No, yeah. that one was about like raping a girl. Yeah, the, that's the, still the worst. The, like, <laughs> hey, you should respect me because I didn't rape you. Tonight. I will make that you. That was by something corporate. God damn. Yeah, I yeah, won't yeah. make you. Okay, this is like second worst. Song, second worst song. Shuffle. We should like make a playlist of a the playlist worst songs. worst songs on shuffle ever. <laughs> I'll do that. Yeah, we. Should I will do, do it. it. We should do that. We got two now. All right, let's move on to the last track, Sold My Soul by The Used. This shit is like Shakespeare in comparison. I'm saying, listen to the scene aesthetic and then listen to this and you'll be like, wow. If you want to hear some finely crafted, non-apologetic emo music, check out Sold My Soul by The Used. Actually, I think this is probably the most I've ever appreciated a song in the genre because, like, wow, they actually, like, put thought into it. They know what the fuck they're doing. I got to say, this... Listen to scene yeah. aesthetic, then listen to this, and you'll be you'll understand. Yeah, just listen to the playlist yeah. for this episode. <laughs> so this is off the 2009 album Artwork. The Used is an American emo screamo rock band from Orem, Utah. Uh, bassist Jeff Howard has stated that they don't consider themselves emo or screamo, that they're just a rock band, but we, don't like we, know, we, we know we we know what they are. 
But actually, for this album specifically, the lead singer of the band, Burt McCracken, described that they were trying to go for a brand new genre, which they were calling gross pop. Gross pop, really? Gross pop. Later, I'll get into it, but I, I this song actually made me think of a different genre that I don't know if there existed. All right. It we'll did. Get, we'll, it really we'll get did. Into That's it. amazing. I mean, I'm excited. Yeah. It really did. So throughout the formation of the band, the members suffered from poverty, homelessness, substance abuse, panhandling for change in order to buy food. And the band members decided upon the name Used because they kind of felt like, you know, they were being used life is hard and but they're not emo dry not emo <laughs> uh but and then in 2002 they discovered that there was a boston band that had already trademarked the name used so they threw the the in front of it and henceforth became the used uh, it's known that if it actually wasn't for the ska band goldfinger the used wouldn't be where they are today the Used sent their early demos to frontman of Goldfinger, John Feldman. Uh, I don't know if you know who Goldfinger is. Not really. Their biggest no. song was Superman, which was featured on the first Tony Hawk game. So here I am, doing everything I can. Holding on to what I am, pretending I'm a Superman. No. no they no, also did no, a ska no. version of 99 Red Balloons. That was another really big oh song. My God. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, they sent their early demos to this guy, and he liked it so much that he actually, on his dime, flew them all out to L.A. and took them to every record executive they could find until someone signed them, and he signed with Reprise Records. And actually, Bert has done vocals on a bunch of Goldfinger songs because they've stayed close. And actually, up until this album, John Feldman produced every one of the used records. But actually, for this album, they kind of want to go for a different sound, and they actually had hoped to get Weezer's frontman Rivers Cuomo to produce the album. Really? They expressed interest in the Ross sound found on Weezer's 1996 album Pinkerton and hoped to try to create a familiar sound for this album artwork. But they actually ended up working with the main producer for Panic! at the Disco. Wow. Matt Squire. So in reference to this new gross pop genre that Burt McCracken said... He claimed, quote, In the past, we've always kind of brought a pop sensibility into heavy rock, but this is going to be that much more tantalizing and brutal. Our songs are ten times messier and noisier than they've ever been. Scientifically proven ten times. Yeah. Not nine, not eleven. Scientifically. This record is about coming to grips with how much you really hate yourself, knowing you can never hate yourself to the full extent, so you're free to hate yourself as much as you want to. Yeah. Nice. So, I think this song, Sold My Soul, is about someone who's, like, so far gone. They've done such horrible things that there's no help, hope left for them. Yeah. And they're going to this person that they're close to, whether it be a loved one or a lover, and saying that they're willing to take on this person's burdens because they're already doomed themselves, so they'll just take on their burden for them so they can... Yeah be free and happy and yeah. light. Yeah. So yeah, tell right. me about your what you think of this song and the genre that you came up with. Yeah, f- first, I got to say that the lyrics, just read the lyrics to that don't be the note I can't hold. And then read the lyrics to this, and it will read like Shakespeare. I mean... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> at least they're like trying to yeah. have some sense of like metaphor, you know, 
blind from the halo you shine blah you know blah 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 okay I thought overall it was a decent song the genre there's something about this song that in my head maybe this is just very simplistic but in my head I had like a face like a like a meme a face in my head that defined the genre where it's like take the eyebrows and slant them down so you're angry, angry all right eyes. and then and then the eyes there's there's tears coming out of the eyes and you're frowning with the lips kind of up <laughs> and it's like a, a, a combination of aggressive and sad so emo aggro sad <laughs> or, is that, or is that what emo well, is like screamo yeah screamo it's just like there's something like it's just i'm sad no i, I like aggro sad aggro sad so maybe okay emo no, let's it's call like, it aggro yeah. sad yeah i like that or ang yeah it's just mm. so it's all right it's all right yeah it's just, <laughs> i this song brings me back to my emo glory days yeah i i could see that I don't want to have to apologize for it. You know, I just like it. I realize it is what it is. <laughs> it's a little juvenile. But, but this is probably the most I've ever enjoyed yeah. coming after. The, I, I, I accept them for their sad white boy angst and depression. Yeah. Uh, but I, it is more uh, lyrically and musically. It's it's, it's way more intelligent. Yeah, it is. It is. It genuinely is. They, yeah. you capable. They, are, they have capable finally guys. crafted the ability yeah. of being angsty. Yeah. Yeah. A, a young they earned it they yes. earned they earn it they earned the emotion unlike the song before it where no, they didn't fuck earn those it. Yeah. guys they, but yeah this song i thought this was a this is probably the most i've kind of been in tune with the with the genre yeah yeah a younger jared would self-identify with this song so much because yeah. i was so did broken. you ever make that face like the eyebrows slanted in <laughs> And then tears and the kind of stiff upper lip. You know, I can't say I have. <laughs> can you see that? Yeah, no, I can definitely Acro see set. it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just imagining Bert making that face while he's singing this song. <laughs> yeah. Today's Jared just simply appreciates Bert's ability to just belt and be like shameless about it. Yeah. Like he's not yeah. apologizing about anything. Yeah. Yeah. No. I like this song. It hits you in the feels. It's yeah. angsty. Yeah. But at the same time, it is what it is. It's not amazing. It's <laughs> it's an emo song that some like thirty year old dudes sing yeah. about it's part teenage of, feelings. It's to me, yeah, it's identifiable within a genre, but it's a pretty it is a well crafted statement in that genre. Yeah. Definitely it is. Yeah. Yeah. So Favorite track. I gotta say, if the scene aesthetic, scene aesthetic, if that had been like, if someone told me this was like a joke, I would pick that because it's it would be so fucking funny. But I, of course, I can't now. So then I gotta pick Apex, Apex Twin. Apex Twin. Of course, I mean, it's that's like, <laughs> it's Apex Twin. There's like years of thought went into that song. Years. Yeah, years. Those MySpace Sorry. guys are like, let's get fucking famous, <laughs> yeah. bro. But we can't write songs. We'll steal, Who cares? Yeah, we'll yeah. steal the lyrics. We'll take this person's line yep. and this person's... Uh, and just, that pisses me off yeah. so much. Yeah. <sighs> okay, well, that wraps this up. Uh, if you'd like to send submissions about songs and genres for us to talk about or if you'd simply like to connect with us you can find us on various social networks facebook.com slash shuffle at shuffle podcast on twitter shufflepodcast.tumblr.com for tumblr or if you want to send us the emails 
That's shufflecastpod at gmail.com. And please Mm -hmm. check Mm -hmm. out our website, which I spent a lot of time making posts for. It is very nice. If you want to see any of the videos or hear any of the songs we're talking about or read any of the insane clown posse timelines. Maybe we'll throw up a blooper reel. Yeah. See some bloopers. Some bloopers of this recording session. Yep, yep, yep. I've been recording this session. (laughs) There's security cameras. Hey, www.jrdsct.com slash 5huffle jaredscott.com slash shuffle jared's the word you heard the bird jared's the bird jared's the bird you heard word (laughs) and also check out my friend john's video game podcast called the game cave podcast and please help help our way through college uh go to amazon amazon's help us pay us buy all of the songs you just heard today on amazon through the portal found at jaredscott.com slash shuffle (laughs) did i cut off that promo i cut you off no it's fine you said it okay oh oh yeah soundcloud.com slash the game cave podcast my friend's video game podcast check it out it's cool it's really good check it out video games and nerdy stuff check it out so I'm going to be going on vacation for a couple weeks. So, there might not be a new shuffle for a little bit. Unless Dominic wants to hack into the mainframe and do a no Paul. Maybe I'll. Can I record one on my cell phone and then just post it to YouTube? (laughs) Yeah. Just do that. I'll do that. Please do that. (laughs) So, yeah. I'll. After this episode goes up, I won't be back till June 22nd, so you can expect a new episode sometime after that. And that episode might be this episode 20, and the tracks for that episode are Super Fast Jellyfish by Gorillaz, featuring Gruff Rise and De La Soul, Ocean off of the special EP that the Dirty Projectors and Bjork did together. Bjork. Uh, I can never say this. Kolinkath. Kolakanth. It's Mm. an ancient fish. Kolinkath 1 by Deadmau5. Deadmau5. Our brother in fives for S's. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, yeah. Shadow play by The Killers. And Screenwriter's Blues by Soul Coffee. Wow. So you can look forward to that in like two weeks from now. Yeah. Well, yeah, because that will be two weeks from now. But you can really look forward to whatever Dominic. Oh, yeah. It's going to be huge. It's going to be huge. It's going to be huge. It's going to be a five-hour long stream of conscious about how Paul McCartney ruined Wings. Yeah, I'm going to take Paul to task. It's about time he went on trial. You know what I mean? And the whole background yeah. music for it is just going to be Paul's Skype emojis on repeat. <laughs> it's going to be wings with Paul's parts cut out. All, all of his vocals and yeah. guitar cut out. We don't need it. It's just the bass we and drums. <laughs> and Linda. What the hell did she do? I don't know. No, I mean, I know what she did. You'll find out. She's your favorite. Yeah, come on. She's the best. Da-na-na, She's the essence of wings. Da-na-na, wings, da-na-na. yeah. <laughs> wings, yeah, yeah. Wings. No, Paul McCartney. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, uh, I guess... Thanks for listening, and bye. Don't listen to the scene aesthetic.